And I stepped into this absolute surrender and reckless abandon and said goodbye to my old life, handing over to Jesus everything with no promise that he would give it back to me. Yeah. Any of that yeah. would yeah. give it back. And and on the other side of that, of that renewal, as it were, some of the things I noticed with that was that he renewed attentiveness um, to his person, to who he is. It um, it opened wide uh, uh, his ability to share some of his heart with me toward those who were far from God. I uh, I lamented and wept and just desired so much uh, for people to have an invitation extended to them. Uh, to, to take the, the hand of Jesus and experience the goodness of his gospel. And so what was birthed immediate, in, immediately in me was just to claim my neighborhood, this footprint that I lived in, just mm-hmm. a desire to sort of claim it um, for my personal involvement uh, in what what I hope would lead them to receive an invitation um, to come to know God. Welcome to the Follow-Up Podcast. A place for conversations and ideas on how we follow Jesus to the depths of his heart and the ends of the earth. Follow is a community of learning and practice in the way of Jesus. And you can find out more about resources, events, and how to get involved by visiting www.wearefollower.com or finding us on your social media platform of choice. We hope you enjoyed this episode with your host, Matthew Lewis. All right, everybody, welcome to the Follower Podcast. So good to have you with us. And we're in the middle of our series of We Are Follower. We've been looking at the four values of follower and what it means to follow Jesus to the depths of his heart and the ends of the earth. And I hope you've been tracking with these episodes and enjoying them as we've been unpacking them. Uh, We are currently in the final episode of that conversation. We're going to be talking about the ends of the earth. What does it mean to follow Jesus, not only to the depths of his heart, places of encounter and intimacy and abiding and beholding and all those beautiful things that we spoke about with Strawn, but also the overflow of that to the ends of the earth that he sends us, he says, now go therefore, and that we become the salt and light in the world. And today on the podcast, uh, we have a friend of a friend. Her name is Lisa Coons. Uh, some of you will have listened to Jill Weber on this podcast, and Lisa is Jill's friend. And now hopefully Lisa will become my friend. Lisa, so good to have you on the podcast. Thank you for joining us. I am pretty excited to be here with you and to talk about these super important things. Um, I'm Lisa Coons. I'm currently serving as the National Mission and Justice Director for 24-7 Prayer in the United States. I, uh, I've done a, a, t- a bit of church planting in my time and mm. have launch some mission and justice initiatives in inner city neighborhoods and some national justice initiatives around human trafficking. And now I'm currently settled in Tulsa, about to build out the mission and justice aspect of of, um, of 24-7 oriented around prayer and presence of Jesus. So oh, I'm pretty excited to be here to talk about the theme for today. And um, believing that God will just reveal some of his wisdom and inspiration to help us keep moving forward in having a missional presence in our local context um, around um, 
revealing who Jesus is and revealing who God is as righteousness and justice. Come on. Love it. Love it. That's a podcast already, guys. You're welcome. We haven't even got started. We're just warming up. Uh, Lisa, I I think that the, one of the strongest things about any person is the story that we offer to others, that these theological ideas aren't just up in the air, but buried in our lives. I wonder if you could give us a little bit of your story, the making of Lisa Kuhn, so to speak. How, how did? Uh, what are all the elements that came together to bring you to where you are today? Well, I can tell you that I was just a true heathen. <laughs> I was not, <laughs> not raised in church at all. I mean, Jesus was a cultural icon. Of course you believed in Jesus. Um, of course you went to church on Easter, but that was it. That was the depth of my knowledge of Jesus. And right. and when I finally encountered him on a dirt road in North Carolina, I came out of that experience with a passion to get to know this wild Nazarene. And, mm. and I had this unexpected passion to tell everybody I knew about how I had experienced his person and his words and this place that he dwells, his kingdom. And, and so I came out of the, the slid out of the womb of God on the heels of taking Jesus as my Savior and Lord. I came out of it just knocking on everyone's per proverbial door. I worked in corporate settings. And when I returned to work from a weekend of just having encountered him, I couldn't help but during the breaks and during the, uh, the pauses in the work day, during lunches, just telling people who sat at the table with me or who I encountered in the bathroom, embarrassing, I know. Just, <laughs> you know, I've got to tell you what happened to me this past weekend or this past week or this past month as time went on. And I didn't have any theology in me. So I, I oriented around this person called Jesus. Right. And just gave the testimony of such a significant shift in my life. And my life was going pretty good without him. Thank you very much. You know, I wasn't, <laughs> on door. I wasn't in some alleyway. It wasn't that time. I was doing just fine. Right? <laughs> and that made it all the more wild is that I had it good. And yet now I was experiencing something so far outside of my definitions of good mm. that I was giddy. I just was giddy about it. And so like a woman who who has who's found her perfect mate, who has just fallen in love, I found myself talking about him all the time at work. And and I had such a passion for it. I didn't nobody taught me that you don't say these things or you don't talk about religion and politics and you don't mm -hmm. you, know, you don't hassle your work members, but it it was just such a an important part of who I was that it just slipped into conversations, and um, and eventually I got all but two of the people that I worked with born again, Come on. and our lunch hours turned into not me telling them they need to get saved, my but lunch hours turned into Bible studies, and and so too in my neighborhood and and as I started to join uh, churches. Um, I joined more than one church just because I was hungry. And so I, I, unbeknownst to me, I had participated in Word of Faith, in Baptist, in Pentecostal, in Apostolic, just uh, of several streams 
of the body of Christ. And I was paying attention to just the diversity in terms of their take on scripture and the things that their particular tribes felt like they were called to highlight and protect. Mm -hmm. It was just a, a great way to come into the body of Christ. Um, instead of just one, focusing on one, Jesus just thought the best thing for me was to have a taste of the many, and it has certainly shaped my journey. But I just remember in those early days, my testimony and my invitation was for others to just enter their own version of that story with God through this doorway of Jesus and his mm. invitation. And I don't know why um, I never met with anger or hate or stopped talking about it again. Um, I can't uh, give bullet points on do it like this and don't do it like that. But it was out of my own testimony and my own encounter and my own experience with him and not just out of a sense of duty and thou shalt and thou mm. must mm. should mm. Uh, when it comes to these things, which is why whenever I talk about missional presence or justice presence, I sort of hearken back to your last podcast that um, that it's ideally these things are set on the foundation of a person's orientation with Christ, mm. of an intimate um, relationship that's being cultivated. And um, there's just really something to speaking out of and serving out of a lived experience of companioning the Nazarene companioning the king, as it were. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of companionship with God is at the root of any of the missional ideas and strategies that have any shot of working in some vibrant, sustainable, sustainable way. So I just want to encourage people to listen to the podcast that's before this one that that um, that Matt spoke about, because I think it'll it'll lay a good base for any of the things that that we talk about here today. When I started joining, when I started getting involved in church, because I got born again and I started telling everybody, getting as many people as I knew to say yes to Jesus, and, and, uh, and coming alongside them as they got excited too. But I started attending churches, many churches, because I was hungry. And, you know, a couple of years in, I took note that my passion for souls had to share more of its space with my passion for learning and for community with other believers and for participating in church stuff. And so I, there came a time at, that I was doing way more learning than I was doing witnessing. Right. And I'm not saying that's good or bad, but that I took note of that. Mm. And then about a decade into my faith, I, I was I seemed to always be involved in the church, but rarely be involved in witnessing. Wow. And that was just a stunning epiphany to come to. And I didn't know how to judge it. You know, because my life looked very different than it did from the early days. And some of that is appropriate and to be expected. But this this church landscape really mm. had swallowed up, you know, the bulk of my time investment. And even my heart for witnessing the volume on that was turned way down. So I was involved in a lot of church activities. But rarely, I mean, rarely was I doing witnessing, was I mm. telling um, those who were far from God about 
you know, how magnificent a story God wants to write with their life mm. and an invitation for them to take that journey with Jesus. And so for me, I had a kind of epiphany, a fresh new encounter with Jesus as he told me that there was more to the Christian life than what I was currently living. And don't get me wrong, what I was currently living was pretty darn good. <laughs> um, but in that epiphany, he invited me to uh, to renew my surrender, to reset. He invited me yes. to, uh, to absolute surrender and reckless abandon again, and that he was going to use that to reset some things in me. And so with fear and trepidation and considering how much I thought I had to lose, you know, for what he was inviting me into, because there was so much unknown. But I uh, I was crazy enough like that gal, that teenager Mary, to say yes and assume <laughs> we'd figure it out afterwards, you know. <laughs> Want to get me pregnant? No problem. <laughs> You're like, oh, look, look, got a lot of questions. But first, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I dove in with with the most earnestness that I've ever had and and I stepped into this absolute surrender and reckless abandon and said goodbye to my old life handing over to Jesus everything with no promise that he could give it back to me yeah. any of that yeah. would yeah. give it back and and on the other side of that of that renewal as it were some of the things I noticed with that was that he renewed attentiveness um, to his person, to who he is, and it did three things in me. It um, it opened wide uh, uh, his ability to share some of his heart with me toward those who were far from God. Mm. And and while people will experience this in their own ways, uh, but I uh, I lamented and wept and just desired so much uh, for people to have an invitation extended to them uh, to, to take the, the hand of Jesus and experience the goodness of his gospel. And so what was birthed immediate, in, immediately in me was just to claim my neighborhood, this footprint that I lived in, just mm -hmm. a desire to sort of claim it um, for my personal involvement uh, in what what I hope would lead them to receive an invitation um, to come to know God. And so I would begin to prayer walk my neighborhood, just praying that God would uh, send laborers, send, send uh, the message of his goodness, either through the airways or through in person, but just whatever ways through encounters, whatever way he could begin to knock on the door of their hearts in ways in which they could receive it and understand it. So I claimed my neighborhood. That was my mission field. I began to prayer walk it. Now I am, I am a wild introvert. I mean, I'm one shy step of hermit. When I think of it's on a lighthouse in the middle of nowhere for three months. You know, that is just who I am. And so, you know, if you're introvert or ambivert, it'll roll differently for you. But but God had wired me to be an introvert and and because I didn't have that same sort of uncensored ability to just go walk up and talk to strangers that I did when I first got born again, my this uh, new uh, new passion for the loss it played out within the context of my introvertism, and so I find myself wordsmithing a letter that I mm. sent out to every neighbor in that in my footprint, wow. just a personal 
letter expressing, you know, I know that their life, their life's not perfect and that things go wonky and and just, you know, a sort of short letter that that points them to the potential of beginning to talk to God about these things again and offering myself and I put my phone number on it. And if you want to just talk to a person who will listen well, who wants to hear your story, who's up for praying for you and up for even walking with you in the ways that God's allowed, that I'm your gal. And so in the middle of the night, I would just, and sometimes in the day, of course, but I, my phone would just ring. And there'd be these people sobbing, or you know, they'd be frustrated, or they'd be uh, lonely, or they just started to call. And the most powerful witnessing, um, one of the most powerful witnessing tools was to listen well, mm-hmm. to listen with passion, mm-hmm. to listen without interrupting, to listen without telling them what they need to do to change their life as it were, but just to listen. And even that was the heart of heart of God you know, to uh, to be able to listen to the what's coming out of the heart of the, these objects of his passion. And, you know, in those calls, yeah, I also had to listen to the spirit of the Lord. You know, where do you want to go with this? Because there's, I found that there's no one size fits all, that there's mm-hmm. no taking everyone through the Romans road, or there's no taking everyone through this just Sorry, to listen. Where are they, Holy Spirit? You know, when you when I pray for them, where do you want that to land? When it's time for me to talk, can you give me a sense of direction around this and be okay with whatever He led? It didn't always lead to you should take Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Right. You know, sometimes it just led to you know, um, just I, I want you to begin to t- just just talk to God about these things. Just give Him a chance to show up for you you know, in, in your life and ways. And of course, there were a lot of people who on our calls said, yes, I, I, I do want to invite you. If Jesus can help, then yes. <laughs> so there was a, a lot of that to be sure. Um, sometimes there was just prayer for healing. Mm. And out of the goodness and compassion of God, they would experience it there on the call, or they could call back and say a week later, you know, my my doctor said he doesn't know what's wrong. You know, my leg is blah, 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 blah. And so just as an introvert, that's what it looked like for me to express mission in my local context, just at that first level mm-hmm. of uh, claiming my neighborhood. Now, you know, now I'm a part of a, a global a global mission and we are embracing uh, prayer rhythms. And one of them is the midday prayer where we pray for those who are far from God. And so I'm with a bunch of people. I'm just sort of including that in my daily attentiveness. And and I pray for even where I am now, Tulsa, my neighborhood and, and the 1040 window. But I think one of the things that happens in that space of short prayer is that my heart continues to open up um, to experience God's heart for those who are far from him and those who are on the margins. And so I'm started prayer walking my Tulsa neighborhood, this new neighborhood I'm in in Tulsa, um, praying the midday prayer specifically for this footprint. I've picked the most prominent crime issue in my neighborhood and have began to just invest some time, what my uh, charismatic friends call interceding in that particular area. I've chosen the worst few houses. Like there's like three houses that I've driven through my neighborhood that just as a human being, I think they're the worst. Not because they're, <laughs> there's furniture on the lawn and you know, yeah, <laughs> not yeah. because of that, but you know, the worst view, and they'll have just 
offensive flags hanging out right, and right, yeah. you know it's just my natural senses these are the three houses that i would be least tempted to go up and knock on the door. Wow. come on yeah and i've picked those for specific targets for prayer and for plotting my hello and inviting them to tell me their story and even now i'm composing a letter to my neighbors mm. to let them know that i'm here for them um, that although silver and gold, I don't have much of, but such as I have, you know, I'm here for them and I'm prepping to open my home for regular gatherings of my neighbors to eat, mm. to live to one another's highs and lows, to pray for them and invite everybody uh, who's comfortable to, to speak of their own take on a simple parable that we read from scripture. So it's not terribly profound, and yet it feels profoundly in line with the missional heart of God. Mm. And then this, you know, I currently disciple because that the, this missional aspect is, is off of the Great Commission, you know, make disciples of all nations. Uh, I currently um, disciple faith leaders all around the world. That's sort of like my unique target group beyond just the general call of everyone to mm. love their neighbor and, and what that looks like in the missional and the justice front. But but a unique call in disciple making to, uh, to focus on faith leaders, church leaders, ministry leaders, missionaries, just all around the world. And, and my life is thickly and hugely engaged in that. It, mm. Some ways it may look like a side hustle, you know, because <laughs> in the way that it's on my calendar, but I have such a passion in that and the ways that Jesus shows up in that space feels very much like the, like how I read of how he showed up in red in his days when he had a flesh suit. Yeah. And here's the thing, you know, mission, this is something I've noticed over the past 20 years, especially, is that mission doesn't seem to be a prominent part of the church's equipping, uh, that there may be reference to it to the Great Commission, as it were, on their website or in their core values. And you might even get a sermon series on it once every few years. But, you know, there's next to no practical equipping for it. Come on, there's yeah. no culture around it. There doesn't seem to be a ton of strategic plan for executing it collectively. Mm. Um, like little attention seems to be paid to whether uh, whether or not anyone is doing it in the congregations in the majority of churches that I've encountered, they're not even, there's not even an invitation extended to become a follower of Christ. Now, mm. that's considered old school. They refer to it, Pentecostals call it the altar call, but whether you're asked to stay in your seat and raise your hand or come to an altar, at you know at the end of service, there's been this disappearance over the last few decades of even being asked to, to, uh, to shake the hand of this Jesus that the, we've been talking about all Sunday morning, wow, and come on. I find that troubling, and just next to no equipping the church members, even around making disciples beyond witnessing of who Jesus is, mm. that they would come, people would come to know him as the first time. But in terms of making disciples, and and that is passing on to others 
who may already be followers of Christ, passing mm. on the places of revelation that they have to others who, who don't yet have that. Not even that aspect of disciple making is being championed and heralded and strategically equipped for in the body of Christ. And I just find that shocking and yet not surprising. If yeah. I were yeah. Lucifer with the brilliance and magnificence that he has, I would strike these sort of core foundational things as well. I would strike off um, and try to peel away any sense of, of, of depth and right orientation around our primary calling to companion the king of this kingdom of heaven. I would Amazing. strip that down to next to nothingness. Wow. I would try to eradicate that revelation as mm. soon as I could in, in, in the early generations. I would make that idea seem like unheard of mm. and mm -hmm. just reshape even how a Christian uh, is defined in relation to this person, Jesus. I'd shift that wow. as much as I could. And I'd also want to address, you know, the call of the follower of Christ to be missional in the world, because that is primarily how we pass on that virus that brings help and life and transformation. I would put a stop to that as much as I could, wow. if particularly in the body of Christ. And so I see a measure of the work of the one who walketh about like a roaring lion in the effects of chipping away at these foundational things that Jesus told us would be our primary characteristics in the world. Good grief. Come and, on. and so I really do get it. And so as I, uh, as I continue to uh, just regularly renew that surrender, you know, just in regular rhythms, um, I was able to experience his leadership and his leadership looked like it looked like a couple of ways. It looked like um, that I had um, I had rhythms. I could see rhythms of witnessing uh, in my life. It it looked like I could see that that there was uh, rhythms of unexpected that I have my schedule, my schedule, you know, runs like clockwork on these rails of my calendar and just, I don't like to shift them. But that guy who I'm walking with, you know, he shifts my eyes up from, mm -hmm. I just need to drive from A to B and 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 while I'm stopping at the gas station or the so grocery good. store or the drugstore, sometimes he'll just say, hey, you see that person right there? I need you to go just tell them that I love them. Don't make a big fuss. Just go tell them that I love them. See that person? over there I want you to go pray for him see that guy, guy over there I know you're an introvert I know it's awkward but I'll be with you trust me you know I promise mm -hmm. I'll put your bank account in heaven you'll get paid for this this awkwardness mm -hmm. and you know just just go over and ask him if there's anything that uh, you can pray for him for and so there's this building this rhythm of of witnessing as it were into my life but also exercising the muscle of being prepared for the unexpected and just, you know, just doing it, doing it scared, doing it awkward, doing it badly, but just, just doing it. I feel like Jesus gets a twofer out of that, that yes, he gets a chance to communicate to someone in an unfamiliar territory, just as they're walking around, communicate to someone, hey, I got you, buddy. I love you, buddy. I'm thinking of you. I'm here for you, you know, in, in that Jesus reference. But also uh, he gets a twofer in uh, ever reminding me that I am among so many other things, but I 
am his servant. I'm his hands and feet. Yeah. And even more stunningly, I'm the light of the world. <laughs> Come on. You know what I'm saying? It's like, sis, if you're not going to do it, you know, if not you, then, then this is how it works. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what mission looks like, you know, in the unexpected and to be prepared for it. You know, he asked me not to go chasing it, but just to be prepared for it. And then he would position me strategically. And so that's been a big part of my life in my, uh, in a larger context, it's true when I've, um, when I've uh, oriented myself around a collection of friends that uh, uh, that want to do good in the world, Jesus has spoken to us in ways that has led to us inviting churches all around the city to uh, to join us in 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 uh, doing missional work in fragile inner city neighborhoods. That it has uh, involved creating initiatives that that invite. Uh, faith communities all around the city to, do, to join us in, in uh, working to end human trafficking and working to eradicate racism. Just, you know, it, there, there are just times where we just send a clarion call out to have people join us on this mission to do good in the world on these fronts of oppression and marginalization mm -hmm. that just are crying out for the justice and the mercy of God. And God gives us, as we pray, uh, God gives a strategy. Now, I'm a, I'm a thinker, and so I automatically want to go into, if we're going to do something good, well, let's think it through. Let's get the whiteboard out and strategize it all out and consider what we, resources, what we have, what we don't have, and come up with a plan. And, and I'm, I'm not even opposed to that, but what I've found is when we prioritize prayer, when we prioritize discernment, listening to Jesus, you know, our meetings are mostly quiet as our leadership team has their pens and pads out. And we, you know, in, in, in an hour of silence, as we're listening to Jesus, give, get, get first dibs on giving input. Yeah. Before you plot your way, well, we, we, we know the theme of what we want to do. Um, and so we integrate these, these, places of listening and discernment um, all throughout our spaces where we're throwing stuff out on the whiteboard oh to ensure that what we come out with isn't a good plan that Jesus can bless, but rather Jesus's plan. And his plan almost never looks like what would be considered <laughs> a really good one of our plans. Our plans are <laughs> and resources. I mean, it's really thoughtful. Yeah. <laughs> But he throws in some elements that we just, uh, no one sitting at the table, it was just not revelation any of us were currently wow. walking in. And and it, it re-anchors us to some core things so that we never view what we're doing as 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 a project, but rather his people mm. whom he died for and whom he has a plan for. And, and so it has just been transformation, mutual transformation, uh, transformation for those we feel called to serve, 
transformation by Jesus for us who are doing the serving, and transformation for us as understanding that those we're called to serve are going to teach us just as much um, as just as much as the good we're trying to bring to them. That we are we're all sort of submitting to the work of God in this process. We bring different things to the table, but we're all mutually submitted. Even those who don't know Jesus, who we've just rescued out of you know a sex trafficking situation. Our posture is we have as much to learn, you know, from this person as we do to give. Mm. And so it, it has made for a really good life. <laughs> the leadership of Jesus regarding living missional and doing justice in the world. And I am, I love plans. I love really good plans. And some of these really good plans really were birthed out of Jesus. But but I really do best love the plans that Jesus have come out of Jesus's heart that he shared mm -hmm. with, with his people and that they follow in the carrying out of it. I love those the best because the fruit that comes out of it is unique mm -hmm. and it's got this sustainable quality to it and it multiplies quickly as, uh, as you know, as, as other people pick up on it. It really is just something quite fascinating between what he can bless and what he can inhabit in terms of the good that we unleash in the world. All right, now I've talked a lot. I'm going to finally put a period on that. Lisa, I wish I had an organ right now because I'd be and I need one of those uh, just to wipe my head. Just listen. That was amazing. That was like, you know what I love about that, Lisa? What literally what just happened was like watching a parable unfold. Because I think one of our convictions, or one of my convictions, is that healthy mission is kind of, it's the, it's the unavoidable overflow of a life mm. that's immersed in Jesus. And what, what you just uh, did in the past 20 minutes or so is you just overflowed the fullness of your friendship with Jesus. And, and I just love that. We were just watching that. That witness and and I think you know in that I mean there was so much to you so many threads to pull on there but a couple of the ones that I really want to highlight particularly for the people who are listening is you've spoken about the the necessity of revelation the revelation of Jesus encountering mm -hmm. him how you know you were on that road and you had this this wild Nazarene come encounter you and you weren't trying to live into expectations or stereotypes it was just the overflow of this revelation of this man, Jesus. And I, I just love that. I think for us, that would be what we would, we would say, Jesus centricity. If Jesus is in the middle, then everything else comes next. And then, and then you spoke about this idea of, so for us, the next flow then is lordship or surrender or followership. And you, you, you were just like, well, the answer is yes. So what is the question? You know, like, just like Mary, okay, you want to get me pregnant? Okay. You know, and I think it's, it's when you've had the revelation of the Christ that you can then lead with the yes, because you know who he is. Surrender flows out of revelation. And then you flowed into this. I love it. I would say the way I kind of wrote it down here as you were talking was this idea of companionship being key. And I'd love for you to even maybe unpack that more, because I think sometimes when we speak about mission, 
people can interpret it in a very almost like a legalistic, quite heavy way. Like it, like it can be an expectation-driven thing, an obligatory thing, rather than a grateful response. And I think what you've outlined there for us is this idea of companionship. When we are companioning Christ, in in that we, our presence is given to Him, there's an attentiveness to Jesus. It's quite natural we we would then companion Him out into the world that He loves so much. And and I think I I would want to pull on that just a little bit. This idea of companioning as kind of the engine room of, of mission and justice. Just some thoughts on that. The, the sheer existence of humanity is a result of a prayer God made. Mm. It's a result of, of, of something that was born in God's heart that was the antithesis to all of the perfection that he was had been currently surrounded with at that time. He was surrounded with perfect servants, with perfect community, with the word and the spirit. It was perfect environment. He had he had the perfect flat screen playing, you know, views of all <laughs> the created in the universe. He had the perfect man cave in, you know, with the with the perfect lazy boy, the scripture calls the throne. He's got all his tchotchkes around. There's no accounting for taste, but there seems to be a lot of gold and jewels <laughs> and all of that around. I mean, he's got the perfect sound system in his man cave, you know, piping in the music from the end of away. He's got perfect servants fulfilling his will perfectly. When he finally finishes the last finishing touches on his man cave and sits down, he expects to feel a sense of, Ah, but instead he feels a sense of, huh, you know, as he's rummaging around his version of pockets, he discovers a desire um, that is not centered around more perfection, but rather creating a, a people that he can that he can parent and raise in an, in a, in a, in an imperfect environment, imperfect people given a choice of free will that was frankly going to create a level of collateral damage throughout the generation that he was going to have to spend a ton of time cleaning up. It was just imperfection throughout, messiness throughout. He was not. He was going to leave this perfection drama, this thing he had built for himself, and step down into our reality and and have to convince us of his goodness, have to convince us to let him love us, have to convince us he could be trusted. You know, just, it it was, it's a heck, heck of a thing to discover that what you want is not more of what you already have, but something that hasn't yet been created. And mm. so this prayer of God's heart to have a people that uh, that he would work among and that they would come to love him and love him in a very particular way sits has always sat paramount in God expressing himself to humans. It has always been able to be brought out succinctly in what is the first command. Now we are broken human beings. We know how bad we know we need everybody to be walking in the second one. Mm-hmm. And yet there's one thing more important than the second one to God. And that expresses the, that we would be an answer to his primary prayer. That mm-hmm. that in these people that he's created, that he has desire for, that they would love him and love him in a whole 
hearted way. And this is echoed throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, as God reveals himself as father, as husband, as, you know, it's just fascinating. And even as we cruise into the New Testament and the language of bride and bridegroom comes to play um, and the language of abiding and drawing near comes, comes into play, it's still communicating this primary idea of God. He said, look, your primary calling, not your only calling, but your primary calling, the first one, is for you to companion the king, Come to on. companion Man. the king of this kingdom. That that is your first primary calling is to answer his prayer. And that was his prayer that got humanity born. And he had to want that pretty bad that to the, as he considered, because he thinks about things from the end back to the beginning, <laughs> like that. He had to want pretty bad knowing about the genocide and the wars and 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 the 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 pandemics and and the pedophiles and the bad parallel parkers. But he still <laughs> thought it was worth it. And Come was on. Playing, knowing that among the many, some would respond to his prayer and enter into that first commandment um, and just lean into it and let that be cultivated and deepened in their life. But that is just like the language of abiding. That's the language of companionship because it's a, a person. And if we skip over that part, we don't have a full-bodied resource to live into the second commandment. Mm, mm, we found ourselves mm, lacking. We found that that the vehicle we're in can't make it up the steep hills of what it looks like to bump into other broken human beings. We find ourselves just sort of enduring it or, or or holding back the anger you know in the name of god and here god's got this resource that is opened up fully when we address and respond to the first command fully that we're given the full measure of the heaven's resources to live into the second one and it is just these two work they work together and we find ourselves skipping over the first one in an assumption yeah i love the lord that's why i'm in this christian thing let's get to doing this this loving others and this missional thing it's like no no no, no. Mm -hmm. how we respond to the first one will determine how much resources and fruitfulness will be in how we respond to the second one come on man that's good that is so good, Lisa. I just need a moment. incredibly that's so helpful so 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 helpful i love that image you had of like we won't we don't have the resources to make it up the steep hills of our obedience to the second one what a beautiful picture um the other thing that that as you were sharing i thought man this is really important for us to touch on uh the follower podcast has listeners from all over the world and different countries contexts vocations and callings some people are full-time what you would maybe call missionaries in places in the world that are maybe harder to reach and difficult. Other people with uh, moms and dads working a job, trying to, you know, raise their family and, and be in the space. And so in some ways, this it's always a tricky tension we have to manage because I want, always want to try and offer something to that cross spectrum of people. Um, and I know that sometimes as soon as we talk about missional presence, there's almost like a stereotype that enters into our mind. 
you know, of, of the person who's selling all this stuff and moving to the Amazon or whatever the thing is. And, and not to diminish that, like, amen, praise God for, for that. Absolutely. But, uh, but I don't think the, the missional call is exclusive to what we would term extreme. I think actually the missional call meets us as at a base level in the ordinary. And I love what you were unpacking there around just our capacity to, you, you talked about working our muscle to be for the unexpected, to be interruptible in our lives. And I thought that was such a helpful touch point in, I guess, in the mundane, in the normalness of, of, the, of the majority of our lived lives, to have this posture and the strengthening of this muscle to be interrupted uh, in, in the presence of God for the things of mission. Maybe speak to that and some of your experience around that. And that is a touch point to, to meet people and invite them into this lifestyle. One of the reasons that you and I are sitting here and talking about um, these Jesus-y things is because a guy who had taken a, a job on the backside of the desert paid attention to the anomaly of a burning bush that wouldn't burn out. <laughs> you know, he was, he, he was working outdoors. He was, you know, working out, uh, outside in the desert, seeing bushes that flamed up was a common thing. It was hot. It's what, you know, dry bushes do. They catch fire and then they flame out really quick. And, and so there, it was just a common occurrence. God didn't to send a voice from heaven like Charlton Heston saying, <laughs> you know, he used something that was in the current landscape and, and extremely common. You couldn't get more ordinary than a, a flash burn of a bush off in the distance. It just, and all of human history is trajectory to what Jesus was dependent on this tiny little encounter and getting it right it is phenomenal that God was able to restrain himself and not do drama because we knew in the Old Testament he was good for drama. He would just crack open the earth and let, let it swallow hundreds of men open. He was just roaring through the Old Testament like Godzilla through Chinatown. It's not <laughs> drama and the Old Testament. And here now when it really matters the most, you know, it's like it's like it's like uh, holding his presence in a shopping cart at a Walmart, you know, <laughs> expecting us to pay attention to it. That's the level of ordinariness. Wow. That wow, shifted wow. human trajectory. And and it, it was just the scripture just said and 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 his his curiosity was piqued. That's all. He went, let me go check this out. It wasn't until he stood like in front of the thing that God opened it up and and revealed where he wanted his, his obedience to go and to look like. And so, you know, all throughout our lives, we are we we live mostly in the ordinary, and God wants to show up and draw our attention to something that is going to change potentially the trajectory of the life of that person and the generations that fall behind them. But in the context of something as ordinary as at the grocery store, mm. at the post 
office mm, um, while driving in the car. It is just stunning. And the missional thing is, it, yes, it's often, at least for me, the, the person to person. But another aspect of the missional thing is that he doesn't ask me to go over and say something to me. He asks me instead to pray for them while I'm waiting in the Starbucks line. That person behind you, I, I, need, I need you to, to pray for him. Mm-hmm. And I know you don't know what to pray, but but just start on the stuff you know, and I'll shape it. And and for for God, strangely, He views that as just as missional as if I had been asked to go over and walk that person through the Romans road. Mm-hmm. So there's this idea of of paying attention. Uh, I think it was Elizabeth Barrett Browning said that Earth is crammed with heaven, but only those who turn aside pay attention will see it. And and there's something about making peace, you know, having our own individual altar moments where we where we surrender our need to control everything and we invite Jesus to come in and, and disrupt our schedule in ways that are for his kingdom purposes. To just make peace with that at our own altars in our devotional times mm-hmm. so that he can then express that when we start to move about in our everyday lives. I feel wow. like that our 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 first place is accepting that invitation and making peace with it and then just being on the lookout for his movement in the wow. context of ordinary days. Wow, wow, wow. I love that thought. It's uh, coming back to our, our girl Mary there. It just reminds <laughs> me of uh, uh, be it unto me as you will. You know, it's like sometimes we limit God's expression of mission through us because of what we perceive that to look like, like our our assumed frames are sometimes inappropriate containers for what he wants to express in a moment. And so I just love this idea of like in the place of intimacy, surrendering up the outcome and just being like, okay, Jesus, well, what do you want to do in this town, in this space, in this shopping mall, wherever it is? You know, I, I love that picture. I don't know if that answered your question, but that's these are the thoughts. <laughs> no, I, I love it, and and I love how um, because some would say, Lisa, uh, that your life is quite radical, uh, and and what I mean by that is that it's not every day. We were just talking about how you've moved city, you know, just out of response to the wild Nazarene into a very different context, and it's not every day that people are gathering and mobilizing people for mission and justice and prayer in cities or all these things. But I love that, that um, I guess that assumed radical is built on the foundation of something profoundly ordinary and simple, which is really attentiveness and companionship to the heart of Jesus. I love that that's at the source of this. That's, that's so refreshing to me. I think you're right in, in focusing in on and uh, the views that have been shaped that inform us of what it should look like and how that often can be uh, a challenge to actually what Jesus wants it to look like, which is why it's absolutely essential to orient this missional conversation, conversation around mission justice, to orient it back to the person of Jesus who calls himself the head of the church, this uh, to, so because, you know, the first thing that Jesus did in his earth journey was to call people to be with him. I mean, mm. he, he even knew that it all starts and begins there. And 
And, and so when we're talking about mission and justice and living that out, the first call is back to be with him and back to be with him in the ways that haven't changed since he first started walking with people in the cool of the garden to what it's going to look like in the last days that is succinctly described in the first commandment that it all originates there. And it originates there because Jesus has a unique calling on each individual's life, right. whether they're soccer moms, whether they're missionaries in Papua New Guinea. We're all responsible to understand that, that God has written a story for our lives, and he's able to fulfill that as we walk with, as we companion him. And, and, and his desire is not that our journey looks like someone else's, but that it looks like ours mm. because the more we are with him, the more we are ourselves yes. as it were. Yes. And so we have nothing to fear in terms of uh, not being able to wrap our heads around saying yes to what missional and justice living looks like for another person, but just trusting that God knows the purpose for which he created us and that he knows how to cause us to live into our authenticity even as he invites us to go out and partner with him to do good in the world. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, there's not enough communication in churches about, about this secondary primary calling that we have to go and make disciples. Yeah. That is, it expresses one of the core purposes for which we are born. And while we can cocoon ourselves from it, we can busy ourselves with other things. We can we can invest in so many other things that are that are good. The absence of this has an influence on humankind. If the church, the the world, frankly, can, can do had has done better job at justice things than the church has. Mm -hmm. The world, frankly. No, just mm -hmm. organize better, it's done it better, and I've seen the movement of Jesus in, but only the church can make disciples in this Come in on. this way. Come it's on. a singular calling for the church. And if she bails on this just because she it doesn't fit her current culture or nobody's talking about it or it doesn't seem important because a bunch of other good things are going on this, if she bails on this, it is not just that person's life that's impacted. It literally is our generation. Mm -hmm. Even though our calling is just to live missional in whatever size footprint God gives us. It's that important. Yes. So good. And so I, I just, I just, my hope and my prayer is for the church, capital C, that she would re-embrace her calling to make disciples, that that she would create culture for, create equipping practices and and workshops and, and all manner of resources that keep this in the forefront in regular rhythms that help people do it, to know that to let them know in advance they're going to do it bad and fail. And mm. and and she's speaking this purpose. Um, just in regular rhythms, in the same way that we speak of the purpose to companion the king, that these are the two things, um, who we are with him and who we are in the world that need to be heralded, that need to be mission statements spoken at the beginning and end of every surface, that right. need to have regular sermon series to talk through it, that need to have classes and conferences that we go to to keep the fire fresh, because this is one of those spaces where literally all of humanity depends depends on it <laughs> so good wow and that is its call to greatness even if we live that out in small ways
And I'm just reflecting on uh, your story that you shared right in the beginning of our conversation, how there was the season of sort of zealous outpouring of this encounter with the, with Jesus. And then there was the season of um, maybe a, an, an overbalanced intellectualism that you were talking about and how you found that there was almost like a thinner space, but then your re-encounter with Jesus drove you out into the world again. And it just, um, even in your story, similar to my story and what I see in many of us and, uh, you know, without making a quality judgment on that, it's just interesting that uh, in our friendship with the Lord and in our companionship of Him, uh, in some senses, our intimacy with God is diminished by our inability to enter into the mission of God with Him. Uh, you know, it's like these things have a um, it's two sides of the same coin in a sense. And so sometimes if and this is part of the challenge, particularly with formational spirituality or these kinds of things. It's Mulholland Jr. who says that formation is the, the process of being transformed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. And if we lose that for the sake of others element, it kind of amounts to little more than cosmic therapy. And we start to introspect too much, you know. So just seeing that link of like the missional expression is not separate from intimacy and companionship with, with this wild Nazarene, as you put it. Mm -hmm. Some of the greatest revelations of who he is for me have come when I've been out in the world with him, mm -hmm. as opposed to how you would expect it, which is, you know, during my times hanging out in scripture and in devotion and in worship in church. And certainly I've received Jesus revealing himself in those spaces for sure. But some of my greatest revelations mm -hmm. of seeing sides of him that I hadn't before have come out in 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 just the messiness of everyday life and responding to his unexpected call and and responding to the call to make disciples the way that he has revealed himself in those interactions has been far past my what was my current revelation of him at that time mm -hmm. it's a twofer you know he gets us both in that, that mm -hmm. type of thing Mm -hmm. It reminds me of um, um, Mother Teresa, you know, and they would say like, "Are you an activist?" And she'd say, "No, I'm I'm a worshiper." <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> I find Jesus in the least of these, and I serve Him there, you know. And so th that is the expression. It's not it's not these. It's this kind of bifurcated dualistic thinking. Actually, no, this is all one. It's it's part of our worship expression. So I just love love the picture that you're painting, Lisa, and I love that. I mean, as I'm sitting on the other side of a Zoom call, I wish we were in the same room. We should organize that one day. But I am like, there are just like waves of joy pouring out of you as you speak about this. It's not a, uh, I think about that scripture. It says the commandments of God are not heavy for the children of God. They're not like, it, this is not, he's not going to put anything ill-fitting on us. It seems to me that I'm sure you've been through hard things and faced difficult things, but as you communicate it, Man, it's got a, a a sheen and a shine to it. There's a it's so inviting. It it feels like and not in a pretentious way. It genuinely feels like you found a treasure. Um, and there's a there's a joy and a lightness about your expression of this. <laughs> you know, just between you and me and the thousands of listeners <laughs> you're gonna come across this this podcast. Um just between you and me, it takes effort, conscious effort, to hold myself down mm. so that I can go out and speak regular English and not be dancing in the aisles. 
health officer in the, you know, just conscious effort, you know, to, in, in my language and thoughts to, to not just burst out in worship really over the course of this conversation, <laughs> you know, to, you know, hold it all in for the good of getting something done here. Mm. Mm. <laughs> it's, it is not always like that. I'm human. I feel grief and pain and, and all those things. And Jesus is with me in the midst of those things. But there really is something to um, holding it, holding a bulk of it in just to be able to move about well in this world mm-hmm. and not you know, scare people off with, with Jesus having fulfilled his promise of peace and joy mm-hmm. as I take regularly take swings at living into that first commandment to fulfill and answer the the prayer of his father and of my father that mm. got us all here. Mm, 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 mm. So good. Reminds me of that, that scripture says, um, if we're in our right mind, it's for your sake, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, beautiful. Lisa, we've said so much and covered so much. I'm wondering if there's anything uh, almost prophetically burning in you right now. If you imagine the people who might be listening to this, is there anything that you wouldn't want left unsaid around this issue of missional presence before we end our time together? Missional presence, as with just about anything that God invites us to do in the world, is best done from a place of absolute surrender and reckless abandon. That if we are to do any striving, let it be striving to enter into that place of surrender, which is referred to as a place of rest, Mm. where we can experience the full-bodied experience of his leadership and the full measure of his resources uh, to go and, and do good and make change in this nation to to try to jump off into it in any other way is to jump off into it with only half of the resources needed to do really well among the people we're called to serve. So as as intrepidation um, orientation as this feels, as you know, as big ask as that is of those who are listening, that is actually how we're designed to function best in the kingdom. And so I just invite everyone to consider starting the interior process and the dialogue to uh, to that that would lead you to your own version of the altar mm-hmm. where you lay it all down and surrender so that the way that you follow that wild Nazarene is unencumbered. And so that the way that he can grace you and resource you and lead you is just as he said it would be in all of those red letters in that book he wrote for us. Mm-hmm. So I invite you all to, uh, you know, pretty much, you know, die. I need you to come. <laughs> I need you to head all down. It's going to be all right. You know, yeah. and trust Jesus. It is going to be all right. And allow him to show up for you and show off for you and move your life into a fulfillment of just the basic promises of peace, that passes understanding and joy unspeakable in your right standing with God as you move on to companion him. It all begins 
there. And when you shuffle off this mortal coil, that is what you're going to find waiting for you on the other side, a culture of that. So step into that first, and then he'll you'll have Jesus's hand to lead you into the mission and mm, justice. Mm, 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 mm. Amen. Um, <laughs> before we end, I'd love for you to pray for us uh, in, in closing. But uh, but am I right in saying that you have written a book? I think it, a poetry book around the martyrs. Is this right? Mm-hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about that? It's called Martyrs Wine, and it is poetry. Um, I do a lot of spoken word, but um, so I've designed the book so that it's visually stimulating as well as the words that are on it. And it really is fuel uh, to continue to inspire people to lay their lives down for Christ so that he can, um, through them, uh, do good in the world as he is to them, um, cultivating this bride and bridegroom relationship. And I'm working on the uh, re-edit of it along with two other books of poetry around similar themes. And that series is coming out this year. You can uh, catch it on Amazon. Amazing. (laughs) And so that would be under Lisa Kuhn's Martyr's Wine. And when the others Mm -hmm. come out, please let me know. We'd love to have you back on. You can talk all about those. That'd be great. Okay. Amazing. (laughs) Um, So here's my prayer for people that are listening and the two people that are hosting this. Um, um, my prayer is actually toward um, dad. Dad, you, you've got mad game and you're, you're really quite eccentric. And I dig that about you. <laughs> I pray that you, as a result of the prayer that I'm releasing, that frankly is in agreement with what you already want to do. I just pray that you would move in the lives of every single person that's hearing this, even the one that's listening to this as white noise while they're washing dishes or driving down, that you would move in the lives of every person that's hearing this, um, a kind of blowing on the embers in their hearts uh, to to outstretch greater fire, uh, which is a desire to come at you with all they've got to surrender to you all they have and all they are, and to invite you to be for them uh, things that you haven't been able to because of how they've held on to their stuff and their ideas and control. I just pray that the Spirit of the Lord would be present to help them release control, trust God, and allow Him to write whatever narrative with their life that He thinks is best. Give us courage to step up to the plate, lay down our lives and swing hard in our heart for you as you give us a heart for others. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, that brings us uh, to the end of our We Are Follower series, friends. And I hope this has been helpful for you. If you're part of the follower community, this is a resource that exists here on the follower podcast. Anytime you want to remember, what is this community of people trying to learn and practice the way of Jesus together? You'll find the heart of follower, the why of follower, the what of follower, the who of follower right here on the follower podcast. And so um, that's where we end. Uh, for this episode and for this series. I'm going to take a bit of a break on the follower podcast. I'm going to be doing a little bit of traveling and want to be present to that. 
So I appreciate your prayers, but we'll be back in no time uh, with some more coming your way from the follower podcast and what God is doing in our community. In the meantime, if you'd love to check out anything about follower, you can go to www.wearefollower.com and uh, you can find out uh, what's coming up next in the follower podcast or in the follower community or on the follower blog. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review and share it with your friends. We're going to end off this episode and this series with our final poem, uh, both written and read by Kirsten Kelly, who is one of the members of the follower community. I hope it helps and encourages you follow Jesus to the depths of his heart and the very ends of the earth. The world is smaller than ever before. Cultures and nations discovered, explored. Multiple webs enmeshed, intertwined. Invisible lines connecting our lives. The world is evolving like never before, technology enhancing everyday chores. As science advances, our attempts are futile as we try to defy these finite times. But still, we have not found a cure for the sickness of our souls. And I sit and I watch as part of the crowd, and I wonder if I should go. The world is further apart than ever before. We retreat behind screens, drip-fed, stories and images, a steady stream, carefully curated so each one gets their fix. Human suffering paraded before our eyes, indifference a leech welded to our hearts as we continue to scroll without blinking an eye, desensitised to our own plight. And I sit and I watch as part of the crowd and I wonder if I should go. And he sits, and he waits, and he hovers over the earth, and he cries, and he weeps at the atrocities happening in plain sight, and he asks, who will go? But no one is found. And I sit, and I watch, and I strain to hear his voice, and I wait for a sign, forgetting that the sign was his life. Love wrapped up in the body of a saviour, who answered the call and left the seat of perfection, Experiencing sin's lure or unholy condition, he became the object of his father's wrath, tearing the veil as he became the cure for our sickness. And I look and I touch the wounds in his hands, the wounds in his sides, and I fall to my knees and I weep at his feet. And the question to go is no longer a question at all, because when I look into his face, when I see the sacrifice he made, the only response there can be, is how can I not? That's all for this episode of the Follower Podcast. If you found it helpful or inspiring, please consider sharing it and leaving a review on your podcast platform to help us connect with more people around the world. If you would like to support the Ministry of Follower with a monthly contribution or one-off donation, you can visit www.wearefollower.com forward slash support. And to say thank you, we'll send you a free copy of Live the Story, an ebook that helps you learn to share your faith with others. Until next time, may you follow Jesus to the depths of his heart as he helps you share his love wherever you go. From the ground beneath your feet to the very end of the earth.